Hi, hello, welcome back to Spirituality with Tony Keniston. I am so excited to have you here. I am your friendly neighborhood, suburban mama, eclectic mystic. I am an accountability and empowerment coach um, for whatever that might mean. Coach is such a weird word to me. Um, but I do love working one-on-one -on -one with women who are making to make, looking to make incredible changes in their lives. So if you are feeling stuck and you like to err on the side of all things magical and mystical, then you have found yourself in the right place. Um, last week, we talked about the great pivot, and I think that's a great place to begin. If you haven't listened yet, that's when we really decide and discover that the road that we've been on is not the road that we want to continue down. And so it is about shifting that energy onto a new path. And sometimes that can take a ton of work. For this reason, I decided this week to go ahead and focus on what I like to call who's driving. This is an analogy and kind of a visualization that I have used with many of my clients and that I use often and has been very helpful for me. So let's begin with who's even in the car and what the car is. Um, Carl Jung, um, back in the 60s, coined the term archetype and the eight original archetypes that he believes are passed down as part of our collective unconscious. This is the theory of thought that we are not a blank slate upon birth. The same way that we inherit physical traits from our ancestors, we also inherit thought. We in like the way that our society is structured and we're predisposed to fall within these categories. Um, the eight archetypes that he coined were the self, the shadow, the persona, the anima and the animus, the trickster, I also call this the inner child, the hero, the wise one, and all of these different parts of ourselves, right? They make up a small piece of a pie. You can kind of imagine it as though when we are trying to make decisions, we want to include everybody. It's a board meeting. Everybody should get a voice, a vote, but what we shouldn't be doing is ever allowing one of these fractioned pieces of us to take control, complete ownership. The only person that should is the self because the self is fully integrated, your higher self. So let's go through just very quickly what each of these different pies really mean. So the self is full integration and that's when you're gonna be acting, kind of having accepted all of the parts of yourself, having listened to everybody. This is very difficult. This is not something that you just do overnight. Um, it is a constant practice in listening to the smaller voices in your head. So the shadow is probably the one that you hear the most about if you're in mystical communities. Um, shadow work is something that you probably hear a lot. The shadow is our repressed subconscious. So the pieces of ourselves that we tend to really ignore, we shove down. The shadow does have a way of under pressure, sometimes exploding. And that's when we get like explosive anger, like really, really like sad out of nowhere because we've been ignoring the, our sad, um, patterns. So instead of like integrating them and looking at them, our mind has shamed the idea of being sad. If you're sad, then you're depressed, which means you're lazy and you're not getting anything done and you're worthless. Like it's this horrible like train of thought that carries us to the most extreme version. When in reality, our sadness is a shared human emotion, right? We just don't want to be always acting from those emotions. We want to feel them though, because that's why we're here is for the human experience. So the shadow is often refined throughout our childhood and through society. As we are told about these different parts and pieces of ourselves that are not allowed to exist or that are shameful to even be around. Um, another example would be anger, especially for um, 
young women, we are raised to have our anima, which we'll get there soon. <laughs> I'm sorry, animus, um, to have that part of ourselves suppressed because we should be docile, submissive, quiet, and fall in line, right? So what happens is we learn that our anger is the opposite of what femininity is. That's not true. Of course, we know that like we have both feminine and masculine. And I use that term very loosely just based on traditional gender roles, because that's how this information is presented. Um, obviously, we're in a constant state of evolution. Our society is as well. And these terms might be a little bit outdated. But um, for the sake of using young, um, Jungian psychology, I'm going to go with it. So please forgive me. I do not prescribe to um, normative gender roles at all. <laughs> but as um, Femininity often doesn't know how to accept anger and aggression and um, like that kind of energy. So we repress it. That doesn't mean it doesn't come out. It just comes out in really big ways like a geyser <laughs> um, because we've been shoving it down for so long. So that shadow work is something that I personally believe um, actually covers all of these archetypes. The anima um, is the divine feminine. So that is, it is, the anima exists within all bodies, but when we come to this like archetypical energy, it's going to be that within a masculine body. Um, because the divine feminine is what men are told to suppress, right? Like they shouldn't be overly feminine. They shouldn't be too nurturing or compassionate. They shouldn't express too much emotion. Now that is widely more accepted in the female body, right? But in, in um, we end up, repressing our animus, the divine masculine. So it's kind of, it's like either or, you know, or not either or, but it is opposite, the polarity. And we are only encouraged to express the um, gender that we are assigned. So it can be a little bit tricky with anima and animus, especially in a modern day society. Again, this stuff was coined in the 60s. So please forgive me if I'm not speaking um, in totally woke terms here. Okay, the persona is your mask. That's kind of what you don when you are interacting with people. It's um, especially people that you're not super comfortable with. Your persona is who you let on stage. It's usually who has the more Pinterest per perfect life. <laughs> um, and it is not the truest expression of yourself. Many people make decisions from the persona rather than the self. The persona is who you want everyone to believe that you are. The self is who you are. Um, and then we get on to the inner child. Um, Carl Jung refers to this as the trickster. I kind of, this is why I just write based on Jungian psychology, because I have kind of like shifted this a little bit for um, my work. So the inner child for me is the innocent. That is the one that might seek the most um, like primitive forms of gratification, like hugs. And they might feel safest when they're under blankets or when there's the light on. Um, they're often the ones that are the most afraid of fear, rejection, disappointment. They're constantly seeking approval and love from somewhere else, from an outside source. Um, the greatest work we can do with our inner child is by self-loving um, and kind of parenting ourselves, especially for those of us with deep um, inner child wounds. And that's going to be a very long process. It is, I mean, I have been on since 2020, I, when I first started learning about inner child work, it is now January, 2022. It's been like, I would say a full two years and I have hiccups and work with my coach on this almost every single week. It is very, very difficult um, for me. 
The next is the hero archetype. The hero is the ego. Like it is the one that believes it is up against everybody. I like to say the hero um, archetype and the ego, they're the champion of the underdogs. And because they have this kind of hubris about themselves and about how they're perceived, they actually really focus on everybody else being the underdogs. So the inner child, the persona, the anima and animus, the shadow and the wise one, even the self, they believe that they know best. The ego gets one of the worst raps out of the archetypes because they are well-meaning idiots <laughs> at times. Truly they are though, um, because they, there is such hope in the ego that they believe that they know how to keep us safe. And what is the ultimate goal for the ego? That is to keep us alive and help us survive. Like it is not about even thriving at that point. They just truly just want us to be okay. And when we do anything to disrupt that sense of safety that lives within the ego, uh, that's where we get into some trouble because the ego is very intelligent and will tell us exactly what we need to hear to keep us safe. If you can imagine like a knight that is coming up, they, they see this perceived threat to this village, to all of these women and children and helpless little people that are, you know, in this village. And this brass knight comes up and he has an idea that there's something. Let's, actually, let's make our knight a she. She has an idea that something is going to be coming. She's not exactly sure what, but she knows that it could be a risk and that everybody could get hurt. So instead of saying, hey, I'm not sure, it might be a problem, but it might not. And so I think you should just stay here and not do anything. What the ego, the knight, the hero will tell us is there is a monster out there. It is going to hurt everybody. You probably will die. Everybody you know will die. Like it, They just catastrophize in order to keep you safe. So as you can see, it's not with malintent. They don't tell you scary, mean things because they don't want you to have anything. They just want you to live. So it can be a very tricky walk with understanding and integrating our ego. Finally, we get to the wise one. This is our inner stage and our voice of reason. This is the downloads that we get that just hit right, but then the ego jumps up. And it's like, oh shit, no, no, we're not listening to them. <laughs> so as you can see, all of these exist within us. And I'm really excited to be, um, I'll be having a course webinar soon that will include getting to know all of these parts and pieces of yourself. So make sure that you stay tuned for that if it's something you are interested in. We'll be exploring all the different archetypes and how they exist within you. And finally, we are gonna be talking about today is who is calling the shots. When we make decisions, it should be from the highest self. In reality, that is very, very difficult if you are not being intentional. So let's talk about who's driving your car. That's why we're here, <laughs> as ambiguous as that might be. I feel like so ridiculous. I've just been dropping that line all week long. But who is driving? All right, so let's imagine you have this giant white passenger van. It can fit all eight of you, okay? all these different fragments of your personality that together make a whole. They might seem a little jagged at times. Some of them feel like, how could you possibly fit in here and mean the best for me? How could you possibly belong? But the thing is, is that without each part, we would not have our whole human experience. Now, some of those pieces, some of those parts of yourselves, I always find it's really helpful to visualize them, like give them 
a shape and a look, an aesthetic, a hairstyle. It's kind of like that Buick commercial. <laughs> I've been doing this much longer than that Buick commercial, but kind of imagining all of these parts of yourself. Who's the one that likes to go out and hike and do yoga? And who is the one who looks really stern and very businesslike? And who's the free loving one? Like, just give them all a look in your head. It can be kind of a slow meditative process. But then I want you to ask them to get in your car. And some of them will probably go into the far very back. That's going to be things like your shadow. If you are feminine, then that would be your animus. Um, those ones tend to go back, back. Inner child stays closest. Um, and hopefully we have your highest self in the driver's seat. <laughs> if not, at least shotgun. So what happens then as you are driving along? Everyone's in the car. Everyone is agreeing that we are going towards the right direction, right? <sighs> but let's say that the shadow in the back, they start getting frustrated. They can like see something approaching and they don't trust the driver. They don't trust you. You are yourself. You are your highest self. And so they kind of start whispering to the others who start to act up as well. The inner child, let's say, immediately gets triggered and thinks that there is grave danger. Um, or the ego has completely ran away with its thoughts and is pretty sure that a massive bomb is coming to blow up the highway. Whatever that might be, whoever is triggered in that specific moment is going to reach up over your shoulder and try to grab the wheel. Again, I want you to know that this moment, this impact, it comes from a place of love. The parts and pieces of yourself, no one is doing anything to harm you, not to harm the journey. That's why ignoring shadow work or ignoring accepting the ego is so detrimental because, or even shaming those parts and pieces of ourselves, because you are not acting from a place of wholeness. When that happens, when that ego rushes out and grabs the wheel and tries to veer you away from any perceived danger, right? It is an act of the purest form of love. It is um, probably a life's work and journey in order to accept the parts and pieces of ourselves that we have been taught, conditioned, and wired to hate. And that is where all of the shadow work and all these things that we do are going to be a generational work because we are constantly unlearning. Yes, we are also learning how to be, but we are unlearning. We are rewiring our brain to allow ourselves not to feel at least so much shame and guilt um, and to accept every single human emotion on the spectrum as valid. You are not wrong if you are angry. You are not wrong if you are petty or sad for no reason. Those are all absolutely normal. But we have been taught that we should only be happy. And if you aren't seeking blissed out happiness, then you are just doing it wrong. And as we work on that, and especially as we engage this, if you are a parent or interact with children at all, and you allow them just to exist in all of their forms, as, as just being angry, as just having a bad day, that is the true work of awakening this planet because we start so young and we allow them just to be without shame, judgment, or guilt. Think about these inner children 
that will be so integrated and whole because we have done the work as adults to change the fabric of society for them. So back to who is driving your car. When we are getting ready to make these pivots, when we start to look at how we are really truly making the decisions going forward, I want you to think about who is in charge. Is it your inner child who is so afraid of rejection and disappointment and failure that they are not allowing you to take true risks, right? Because that voice in your head is going to sound something like, you know, oh, like, what if, what if it all goes wrong? What if they get mad at us? What if they don't like us? What if they think that we're not worth anything? Those are the sounds of a very scared child who is just trying to find safety in the world. So how do you integrate that? How do you love on her? You love that inner child by letting her out and by letting her see that it's safe. In the various points of my life when somebody, one of the other fragments of myself, have tried to reach up and grab my steering wheel, have tried to pull me off the road just to keep me safe. There have been times they've succeeded. There have been times that I have gone off the road and have just stayed there, immobile and wondering why we aren't moving and why no fun changes are happening and why we aren't getting to the destination. And that's because we veered off course. And that's okay. Because in those moments, they won for a little bit. And it was out of love. There have been times that my my ego has won out, that I have felt that everybody was against me or that I was too big for something or something was too big for me. And I played small. I just gave it a little bit because if I just give it a little bit and I fail, then it's not so bad, right? Like, because at least I didn't try my all and my ego can rationalize that. If I put my entire self out there and I failed, oh my God, I would <laughs> like, what, how would I deal with that? My ego says like, how could we ever come back from that? Everybody would be laughing at us and it's just better if we be small. In reality, I wanna listen to that part of myself. I do, because there is value in the lessons. There are pebbles in every stop that I want to collect and I want to hear from that. So even in all of my like channeling for the portraits that I did for the deck, anytime I enter into a meditative space or um, a business meeting where I wanna call my inner child in and my ego in, I imagine a boardroom because that's what it is. I'm inviting all of the pieces of myself to this party so that I can fully understand everybody. I do not let my inner child make business decisions <laughs> the same way I don't let my children make my business decisions because they are acting from a different place than I am at now. And I would encourage you to try to think of it this way when you're making a decision, to sit down with it. When you're thinking about taking a new job or starting up a new hobby or even sharing that new hobby, and you wanna take up a little bit of space in the world, First, I encourage you to take up a lot. <laughs> There's more than enough for everybody. But I would also encourage you to sit with who's who's calling the shots right now? Who is the one that I'm listening to most? Because if it's how I'm going to be perceived, it's the persona. If it's that I think I might be too angry for sharing my opinion, then it's probably the animus. Understand the parts and pieces so that you can act from the whole. And at its root, love yourself. Do the radical act of just loving yourself so unconditionally 
that even on your worst days, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, that was a hard day. I can't believe we made it. Instead of berating yourself for the things that went wrong, because you are worthy and deserving of feeling so full and acting from your highest self, from your zone of genius, that you are unstoppable because you are. These kind of things, good things, don't follow just good people. You know, that's that's where we can really get a hiccup within our shadow work is attaching morality to, to actions. We attach morality to feelings like, oh, if I feel jealous, I'm a bad person. No, no, no. Every single human being has felt jealousy from the time that you're a child and want what somebody else has. It is not shameful. We just don't act from there. We don't act from the jealousy. We act from understanding that jealousy is an emotion, but I am a person and I act from a place of curiosity, love, wonderment. And that's the real work of it. That's the real true work of shadow work. And it is, it's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And there are times where I just groan and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to act from anywhere today, but petty. I don't want to act from anywhere today, but lazy and tired. And sometimes I allow myself those moments because there's nothing wrong with feeling them. I just can't act on them. Not act on them. That feels wrong. I just can't act from there, right? I respond instead of react. I show up. And it will be an ongoing life's work for me. I know if you are starting shadow work or if you're in it and just trying to dig a little bit deeper or you're just curious what I'm rambling about, then that also is something. I would encourage you to get to know these pieces of yourself and to invite them into your life more, to invite them up to the front seat. Like, let your inner child come up for a little while. Let your shadow, let your animus ride shotgun and see what it's like to be aggressive and direct and to show up that way. Like, you want to infuse your life with these personalities, okay? All right, well, this was so wonderful. I'm so grateful if you made it all of this time. (laughs) Um, If you did not catch up on my social media this week, there were tons and tons of posts and prompts to help you get to know um, specifically your ego, inner child, and shadow. Um, Again, stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram, Tony.Keniston. I am at Tony Keniston on Facebook, um, on Twitter, and on TikTok. So find me there. There's going to be some amazing things coming up specifically around these eight archetypes within the next few months that I would love for you to come on this journey with me. Um, So that's about it for this week. Next week, we are going to be hosting an amazing, I'm so excited, mystical roundtable. This is something I hope will be an ongoing practice. Um, I have invited in uh, four, four or five. bless, um, four or five other mystical women. They're going to be coming in and we're going to be talking about our ancestry. We have people from all different faiths, um, Lithuanian, Hoodoo, Romani, um, Indigenous First Nations. I am a biracial first generation Filipino American. God, that's a mouthful. Um, and I have been on a several year long discovery of reconnecting with my ancestry. So we're going to talk about that. How are we bringing our ancestry into the modern world? And what does it mean for things like open and closed practices, appropriation versus appreciation? And we're going to hear from all of these different voices who are in the community. They are healers. They are readers. They are incredible. 
incredible people. So I am very excited for next week. I hope you will join me next Friday. Um, until then, you know, leave a message. Let me know what kind of shadow work you've been into and anything else you want to hear me talk about or explain more. I would be happy to share with you. I am sending you all love and moonlight, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a great day.